Poso maoni work, why one and Kitan anymore, a Yoski Pietaya, Posnotaman, a Yum, MITW podcast, a Yospis Pietaya, Posnapi Notaman, and a Hisekimaka, a Yoso Matnamine Hokihi. Welcome to the Menominee Indian Tribe of Wisconsin podcast. We are your hosts, Gary Dodge. And Sheena Wapus. On this episode, we are joined by Vaughn Bulls, Public Information Officer for the Menominee Indian Tribe of Wisconsin. We would like to remind people to send in your COVID-19 related questions to us at podcast.mitw.org. Uh, welcome, Vaughn. Hi, guys. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Um, so I would also like to remind people <clears throat> that we have National Guard uh, COVID-19 testing taking place here in the community at the highway department, right? Transit, yeah. Transit, okay. And um, that is November 10th from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. and that's open to everybody. So anybody that wants to get a, a test, come on down. So Vaughn, Yesterday, there was a record number of new cases per day in the U.S., and locally, cases seem to continue to rise. So what levels of spread would we see um, in order to trigger another shutdown for the tribe? So over the last few months, the tribes spent a significant amount of, of time, energy, and, and finances making sure you know the offices of, of the tribal offices are safe for employees, um, to work. Um, in addition to that, they've kind of reached a point where economically we need to bring a lot of people back. Um, so the incident command team is going to be watching the the 14-day moving average of how many new cases we have among um, that with some other uh, metrics and stuff about, you know, number of new cases, severity of cases. Um, they're going to watch, you know, the number of available hospital beds and things like that. Um, so it's it's kind of, I don't want to say it's a mesh right now, but um, it's kind of based on all of those factors um, grouping into one. If we have a rising number of cases, but, you know, not a lot of people are being hospitalized if they're not very severe, um, you know, that probably won't trigger a shutdown. If we have a lot of people that are experiencing a lot of severe symptoms, um, you know, that could actually um, require our doctors to uh, spend more time in the hospitals. Um, and we might shut down in, in that kind of uh, event. But um, there's, there's not really one thing we can stare at and saying this is our triggering point for a new shutdown. Um, we're going to do as much as we can right now to make sure the, the tribe can function. Um, we know there's you know a lot of community spread right now. We know the virus is here. Um, and so we're really going to focus on being able to function in spite of that and try to keep everyone as healthy as possible. So I wish I had a better solid answer for you. But right now, it's kind of a moving target for us. Okay. Um, I also have seen um, some community members criticizing the fact that local businesses, at least in their eyes, are not in enforcing a strict mask rule. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so does the tribe have the ability to ensure that these rules are being followed in the businesses? So we've we've gotten similar complaints and stuff that there are organizations that, you know, haven't been 
complying with mask usage. Um, I know a lot of organizations have been trying to maintain social distancing, um, but the masks still remain to be an issue. So right now, the tribe is actually looking into some of the legal recourse it can take um, towards private businesses that are technically on tribal land um, and enforcing those mask mandates. Because right now, the tribe has a mask mandate and the state of Wisconsin also has a mask mandate that's enforced until, uh, I believe it's November 21st. Um, so regardless of whether you're a tribal member or not, if you are in public right now in the state of Wisconsin, you should be wearing a mask with minor exceptions. You know, if you're under the age of five, if you have a breathing condition, um, you know, pretty much everyone should be utilizing masks when they're in public, especially if they're going to be in a place of business and interacting with individuals. So we're, we're kind of exploring those options. We're looking into them. Um, and... I, I don't believe I'm at liberty to talk too much more about that particular situation, but we are looking into it. Okay. Um, so do people need to wear masks even after they've had COVID-19 and they've recovered from it? So that is actually a giant question mark right now. Um, this week, Dr. Schlegel indicated that we did have a patient on the reservation that looks like they have been reinfected with COVID-19 even after recovering. So, um, should they be wearing a mask? Very possibly. We don't have any sort of double-blind studies, but anecdotally, if someone can get reinfected, they probably should be utilizing a mask just so they're not spreading the virus in the community. And then can you go over some of the kind of basic definitions that we hear um, around COVID-19, yeah. um, like positive case, direct contact, isolation? Yeah, so... <clears throat> There still is, is questions about, you know, what some of these these um, definitions are technically. Um, when we're talking about, you know, a positive case, that's someone who's either been tested by a medical professional um, and it's been confirmed that they have the virus or they've been diagnosed with it based off of their symptoms, particularly things like a lack of a sense of taste or smell, um, sore throats, coughs, um, fevers. Uh, happen in a lot of those cases. So those are some of the things that can lead to being diagnosed as COVID-19. So it's someone that's essentially had a medical professional verify that they do have it um, either by test or by symptoms. Um, with that said, another thing that people need to think about is what direct contact is. And um, that's any time you come into contact with someone that has a positive diagnosis or is, is a positive case of COVID-19. Um, a lot of people are exposed um, when they're at home to other family members that may be positive. It's hard to avoid that. We understand that. Um, when we're talking about uh, direct contact, it's uh, when you're within six feet of someone that has a positive case for 15 minutes or longer. And that's, um, that's 15 minutes of uh, cumulative time. So if you're by them for five minutes, walk away, come back, you know, an hour later and are by them for another five minutes, you're at 10 minutes cumulated time. Um, so if you have three interactions with them, five minutes a piece, um, even if it's, you know, essentially spread over three hours, that still counts. That still is a direct contact. Um, and you still are at risk of contracting the virus. Um, this is terrible. But I actually heard of a specific school district, not in Wisconsin, fortunately, that um, they thought by they were meeting in person and they thought by having their kids get up and walk around the classroom and choose a different seat every 14 minutes, then they weren't having 15 minutes of direct contact. 
I thought that was horrible, and it was kind of like a virus suit because they're basically just all walking through where everyone was just breathing. So it's cumulated time, um, not specifically to one place. Um, some of the other things that we should definitely talk about are the terms isolation and quarantine. They're coming up quite a bit. Um, isolation is used when we're separating um, individuals who have either tested positive or had symptoms, and we're trying to remove them from a general population to make sure they don't transmit the virus to others. Um, if you're in quarantine, though, you're either a healthy person or you're symptom-free, and we're removing you because you've come into direct contact with someone that has a positive case. Um, and so that way, we're trying to make sure that if you do come down with symptoms, um, you aren't spreading the virus because you can still spread the virus when you're uh, asymptomatic or not showing any signs. Um, so those are those are some of the things that you know we really need people to understand that you know just because you're quarantined, it's not it's not a reflection against who you are as a person. Doesn't mean you're a bad person. We're just trying to make sure that everyone else in the community stays healthy. Isolation, same thing. You know, it's it's unfortunate you may have contracted COVID-19, but we really need your help in in stopping the spread of the virus and having yourself, um, you know, kind of cloister yourself away for a little while and 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 limit the interactions you have with with individuals. So, those are the some of the the main questions that that I've been getting about, um, you know, what what the definitions mean right now. So that's what those are. So how do how does a person know that they're not infectious anymore once they've been confirmed positive so case? There are a couple different measures for how do how they know they're not infectious. Um, usually, it's uh, a, a cessation or symptoms have stopped. Um, they like to have you wait um, at least ten days um, under some protocol. They have you wait fourteen days from when your symptoms stop um, and at that point they say you're no longer infectious um, i know with some of our essential workers we have them come back a little bit before that but um and in in those cases it's you know essentially several days after a fever um, but a fever isn't always present and so that's not a reliable uh, symptom to rely on to say I'm not infectious anymore I'm not hacking or coughing or sneezing and I don't have a fever you may not have had a fever the entire time but you could still be infectious to others um, so usually we have people wait um, 10 to 14 days after their symptoms um, resolve themselves okay so I've been seeing um, pictures um, on social media and I was kind of wondering what is being built in the parking lot at uh, the clinic so we have two projects going on over at the clinic right now, and so it depends on which side of the clinic you're looking at. If you're on the dental side, they have a small facility erected, um, and that's for the pharmacy employees uh, that are running medications to and from the parking lot and, uh, to keep patients out of the building as much as possible to lower their risk of exposure to COVID-19. On the other side of the clinic is actually where we're um, erecting a small um, self-contained test site for COVID. Uh, we're doing that so we can uh, kind of limit the exposure of the rest of the building to anyone that potentially has COVID-19. That way we don't have to, you know, tape off the entire wings of the building and stuff if someone accidentally walks through and is COVID positive. So they're, they're establishing kind of a, a small area um, that will be heated, have electricity, um, and individuals can be tested there throughout the winter and stuff for COVID. 
Okay, and then uh, will the tribe continue to allow employees to work virtually even after the pandemic? Uh, so I've been talking to tribal administration, and that's something that uh, is still being discussed. Definitely in some cases they're going to allow for remote work, particularly when there's things like, you know, winter weather that's difficult to travel in. Um, you know, long term, uh, it's, it is cost effective, and we have experience with it now. Uh, but there are a lot of connectivity issues with the internet still in various parts of the reservation. So they're not gonna, you know, carte blanche say everyone can work remotely. Um, and so it's something that, that is still being worked out for the long-term usage of, of tribal facilities and operations. Charter, come through. <laughs> <laughs> We're working on Charter. Um, actually, um, I just spoke with um, Community Development um, and we are, are moving forward with the cell tower project um, at a pretty good pace right now. Um, the um, archaeology has approved all the sites. Um, right now we're getting approval for um, installation of the electrical um, the electrical cable essentially that'll power the towers. Um, and uh, MTL has also gone through or sorry MTE has gone through. Um, and has surveyed all the trees and stuff for every all of the sites. Um, the last step before we start building is um, environmental impact, and we're doing those studies right now. Um, hopefully, we'll be able to finish that up um, like at the very beginning of the year. I know it's a couple months off, but that's still pretty quick. And once those um, once those are completed, we'll be able to go straight into construction. So. Um, we're working on that connectivity issue. We're trying to bring internet uh, to the rest of the rest of the reservation, so it's reliable and, and helpful for everyone. So we're moving in the right direction with that too. Fortunately, can you say which towers would be constructed first? Some of the towers uh, that require electricity are going to take a little bit longer to install because we have to do a lot of digging and inst installation of cables. Um, some of the towers are also going to be utilizing funds from like the CARES Act, and so those have priority move forward on them. Um, so I don't know the exact order that they're going to be putting them in now. So no, I can't. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that I'd ask anyway. <laughs> I applaud the effort in asking it. It's worth, it's worth a shot. So is there any updates on um, COVID-19 vaccines? So right now there aren't any FDA-approved vaccines. Um, that said, the FDA is holding all the drug manufacturing companies to the same high standard they would for producing any other type of vaccination. Um, but they, they are still running through their large-scale testing, um, which several countries internationally skipped. Um, and now they're finding they're having issues with their, their drugs. And so um, we're... we're taking this as quickly as possible, but as safely as possible right now here in the U.S. Um, they're expediting a lot of the paperwork and a lot of the um, approval process, but the the hard science still needs to be done to show that, um, one, that it's effective, and two, that it's safe. Um, and so none of the drug companies have come out with spe specific dates saying, we're finishing now and we have it ready. Um, there's been conjecture that some of them might be ready by the end of December, but that's still kind of up in the air and no one wants to overpromise and then underdeliver. So right now we're on hold. I mean, they're, they're working on it though. Uh, do you have anything else you'd like to add? You know what? Um, there's good weather right now here in Wisconsin. Um, get out and enjoy some of the sunshine. Um, if you do remember to, to stay safe, if you're going to be around people, utilize masks, 
um, stay six feet away. Remember that you know hand washing and hygiene is is super critical for keeping um, yourself safe and uh, those around you safe. Um, you know we're all we're all working on this and trying to keep the community as safe as and healthy as possible. So, you know we applaud and appreciate your efforts and uh, we hope you stay safe this week. Stay healthy. Well, I went in for listening to the Menominee Indian Tribe of Wisconsin podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can also listen to the podcast on menominee-nsn.gov under the community tab. Keep up to date by following us on Facebook at MITW Podcast. We do weekly updates with Vaughn and welcome any community questions you have regarding COVID-19. Please send them in to us via email at podcast at mitw.org.